Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us in it about your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray that as we consider what it means to follow him, you would help us to listen carefully and move us by your Spirit to uh, obey. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I have three children, so I'm married to just one wife. But three children, one wife, Sean, and three children. They're, they're all boys, so Elias is nine, Jude is seven, and Rupert's three. And Elias and Jude are doing piano lessons, like, you know, I'm a good sort of Asian father in that sense, <laughs> doing piano lessons. And Elias also is, uh, he's in the band at school, he's in year four, he's, he's studying baritone horn, which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know that instrument existed until he started taking it up anyway. Uh, baritone horn. Anyone playing, like, tuba? Here, no, not a great future for him <laughs> anyway. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, it's great to be here. Um, it is the first time, I've, the only time I've, uh, I think the last time I was here was probably for a music exam, like an MEB one back in the day, a piano exam. So, yeah, I think you're doing well at um, you know, raising some of those. Uh, bad memories, <laughs> stress. Uh, but I want to start with a question that uh, I think it'd be good for you guys to discuss. Now, this might be a bit confronting for you know. Hi, I'm Ben. Here's this question because the question is: If you died tonight, now I'm not wishing this on any of you. Hopefully, none of you will get hit by a bus on the way home or anything. But uh, so it might be a bit confronting. Uh, but if you died tonight, what do you think you would regret? that you had an experience in life? If you died tonight, what do you think you might regret that you hadn't done? So just spend maybe a minute chatting with the person next to you about that, and then, uh, yeah, I'll take some answers. Okay, everyone, uh, any, anyone brave enough to uh, share an answer, maybe? Or you can share the person you were talking to, their answer. <laughs> that might be easier. <laughs> Make use of my degree. Yeah. Yeah, the pain you're going through to get it done, yeah. So, was there another answer? Make use of your degree. Yes? Yep. It's really easy to answer when you're as old as me. Yes. Yeah. So, as an older Christian, like everything here is just so not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. Mm. So, Mm. whatever joys and good things yeah, it's just going to count into significance in the presence of God. Mm. So I have no regrets about leaving the earth. I know the older Christian who spent far too many years earth before Christ, mm. far too much of my energy and my heart will live on. Mm. That would be my biggest regret. That mm. I'm not have focused on the gospel mm. and lost. Mm. Yeah, earlier in life. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yep, cool. Okay, well, uh, we are talking about following Jesus. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, that's what we'll be thinking about this week and the next two weeks as well. Now, perhaps you're here because you've heard about following Jesus. You may even have started just following Jesus in the EU's uh, festival just, that's just happened. What are you longing for? Um, I believe there was like a picnic and maybe some other opportunities uh, that happened out here, which is fantastic. Uh, maybe you even came along with a uh, with a friend who's a regular member of this group a couple of weeks ago when my friend Patty was was speaking, 
uh, and you've heard about Jesus, maybe you want to know more about Jesus still, or you've just started following him. And that's fantastic that you're here. And it's great that you've come back. And, well, maybe you're here because you've been following Jesus for years and you're a regular member of the Con Christian group. Uh, well, this series will be a reminder of what it, it means to follow Jesus and a, a call to continue to follow him. And perhaps also uh, give you some grounding as you help new believers start their journey following Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus' words here in Luke chapter 9 address this very question. As we pick up the story in Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus has been teaching and healing, he's been preaching and casting out demons all around Lake Galilee, uh, up in the north. Uh, But here in chapter 9, he turns towards Jerusalem. And as he starts that journey, as he continues on his way towards Jerusalem, he teaches about discipleship, about the Christian life. What does it mean to follow him? And as Jesus teaches about what it means to follow him, he he actually addresses two prior questions here. Uh, Two prior questions, which if you think about it, make sense. So if we want to know what it means to follow Jesus, then firstly we need to know who Jesus is. So if you follow Jesus, who are you following? And secondly, if you're going to follow Jesus, well, where is he going? Where is Jesus leading us? Where is Jesus going? Uh, They're the two questions that Luke addresses here. So he addresses who is Jesus in verses 18 to 20. And then secondly, where is Jesus going in verses 21 to 22. And then what does it mean to follow Jesus then? And that's what Jesus picks up in verses 23 to 27. So first, who is Jesus? Uh, And the answer is that Jesus is the Christ, God's appointed Savior King. Now, Jesus approaches the question of his identity a a little bit indirectly. Uh, Now, as an Asian-Australian person ministering, serving amongst largely Asian international students, um, this kind of resonates with me. I think Jesus is being a little bit Asian here, (laughs) if I may put it that way. He's being indirect. He comes at this question of his identity uh, in a roundabout way. So, first in verse 18, he asks his disciples, Who do the crowds say I am? You know, he's being a bit Uh So sometimes in EU Focus, uh, as we seek to introduce international students to Jesus, we use Bible storytelling. Uh, so we tell a, a story from the Bible, uh, and we have some standard questions that we then use. Uh, so things like, what do you like about the story? What does it teach us about humanity, who we are as, as people? What does it teach us about God? But we also want to get an idea of you know, people's negative responses. To, to a Bible story. But if we were to ask, you know, what did, what did you not like about the story? Then that's a bit too direct. It's too confronting. Uh, because a lot of Asians would feel they were being rude if they indicated what they didn't like about a story. Uh, they might feel that they'd be embarrassing us who just told them this story. So instead we ask, what do you think someone... What do you think someone might not like about the story? So, it's kind of an indirect way. Uh, but by answering that, they're not embarrassing us. They're not uh, kind of being too negative. But we do get a sense of uh, their negative responses to the story. That's a little bit like what Jesus is doing here. He comes at it indirectly, the question of his identity. Who do the crowd say? Now, the disciples answer 
uh, in verse 19, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Now, this answer actually echoes um, King Herod's confusion earlier in chapter 9. So, if you've got your Bible there, uh, if you go back to verse 7, this is what Luke records about uh, King Herod. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, the Tetrarch is just a ruler of a four different regions. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. See, Luke's contrasting Herod, the the bloodthirsty, yet confused and impotent king who brutally beheaded John the Baptist, but is now anxiously perplexed about Jesus and and trying to see him. Luke contrasts, contrasts Herod with Jesus, who poses the question of who he is, first indirectly, but then directly with just clear power and authority. So in verse 20, he turns to his disciples, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Or in the Greek, it would be God's Christ. Now, this is actually a high point in Luke's story of Jesus. Jesus' identity is revealed. He's the Christ, God's Savior King. God's appointed Savior King. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I wonder if people out there think, you know, Jesus Christ... Uh, well, like, you know, I'm Ben Lim, so Jesus Christ is his name, then Christ is his surname, right? So Jesus was the son of Mr. Joseph and Mrs. Mary Christ. <laughs> but no, 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 that's not, that's not the case. Christ is Jesus' title. And from earlier in Luke's story of Jesus, you know, back in chapter 2 even, in some of those famous Christmas passages. So in chapter 2, as the angel announces to the shepherds that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, great King David's hometown, the angel describes Jesus as a saviour who is Christ the Lord. So already in Luke's story, we know that the Christ is God's king who will save, God's appointed saviour king. And later in chapter 2, in verse 30, as a Simeon in the temple holds the baby Jesus, who he knows is the Lord's Christ, in his arms, he sings in praise to God, For my eyes have seen your salvation, the babe in his arms. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ, God's appointed Saviour King. Now, if Jesus is the Christ, God's appointed Saviour King, then we need to trust in him as Saviour and submit to him as King. Uh, Now, if you've not done that yet, if perhaps, yeah, you're here because you heard about Jesus during the uh, What Are You Longing For festival, if you've not done that, then why not do it today? Today's a great day to start trusting in and following Jesus. Uh, Please come and talk to me or Richard or maybe a friend who brought you. We'd love to help you answer your questions, perhaps explain what you actually need saving from. We'd love to keep reading the Bible with you uh, to help you find answers. Uh, Because today, even today, you could start trusting in Jesus as Savior and submitting to Him as King.
Who is Jesus? That's the first question. Jesus is the Christ, God's appointed Saviour King. But if Jesus is God's appointed Saviour, then how does he save? Now Jesus himself answers this question as he answers that second question. Where is Jesus going? And he says that he's going to Jerusalem to suffer, die and rise again. Look at verse 21. Now Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. And where will all this happen? Well, in verse 30, 51, Luke tells us Jerusalem. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, the Son of Man was a term that Jesus used for himself. It's one of his most popular terms for himself. And he takes it from the Old Testament, from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Daniel 7. Now, in Daniel 7, there's a vision that God gives Daniel of someone like a Son of Man, which just means a human being. A Son of Man who's given by God all authority, glory, and power over all nations forever. He's king of an indestructible kingdom. But, Jesus says, this king must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and rise to life on the third day. That's where Jesus is going. He's going to Jerusalem to suffer and die to save his people. That's where Jesus is going as God's saviour king. See, as... God's king. He doesn't lord it over us. No, Jesus uses his power and authority to serve us, to save us. So why wouldn't you trust a king as Savior? Why wouldn't you entrust your life to him? For he gave his life for you. So secondly, where is Jesus going? He's going to Jerusalem to suffer, die and rise again for his people. Now, because Jesus is going to Jerusalem to suffer, die, and rise again, that shapes what following him looks like. So thirdly, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus means giving up your life to be all in for Jesus now, to share in his future glory, because he gave his all for you. Verse 23, he said to them all, whoever wants to... Be my disciple, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Following Jesus means giving up your life now. In a very real sense, following Jesus costs you everything. Your very life. It means letting go of control of your life, your own autonomy, your self-determination. Things which I think for us Australians are very dear to us. They're central to our identity. But as the Christ, as God's appointed Saviour King, 
Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to surrender control of your life. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Now think back to your answer to the opening question. You know, that question, if you die tonight, what would you regret that you hadn't experienced? Could you give it up to follow Jesus? Could you let go of that to follow Jesus? Now perhaps today some of the impact of what Jesus says is lost on us. As he says, take up your cross. But the cross, remember, was a cruel instrument of torture and execution. It was a horrible, public, humiliating way to die. Uh, In the end, you died of suffocation as you finally ran out of strength to kind of push up against the nails in your hands and feet to open your diaphragm to get air into your lungs. But Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, it means following me on a path of suffering, rejection, and ultimately death. And for some of Jesus' disciples listening to him then in the flesh, and for many of Jesus' disciples today, it, it did mean death. It does mean death. But I suspect for most of us here today, uh, God willing, it probably won't mean physical death for Jesus. But notice that Jesus uh, says, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily. So clearly, it, it is a metaphor. You know, you can't die every day uh, to follow Jesus. That just doesn't make sense. But it's kind of like there is, there's a day-by-day installment plan um, to giving up your life for Jesus. So, you know, Ancon's coming up. Uh, and if you haven't registered, don't miss out. It'll be fantastic. It'll be great. I think this will be my, like, 12th or 13th Ancon. <laughs> I'm not sick of it yet. Amazing. Uh, anyway, if, but if you can't pay the full amount, uh, you know, sort of straight up, you can pay in installments. You know, you put a $50 deposit down and then pay, then it's just five easy payments of $64 each. <laughs> no, it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> uh, so following Jesus will cost you your life. You may not have to give it up all in one go, but there's the day-by-day installment plan. So every day it's a matter of putting Jesus first, being all in for Jesus. Because he gave his all for you. Uh, it's not being ashamed of him, but siding with Jesus, you know, agreeing with Jesus about everything, even when that's unpopular. And if you're rejected, then remember, Jesus was rejected too. If you suffer, Jesus suffered too. Following Jesus costs everything, but in the end, it's worth it. Because after he suffered and died in Jerusalem, God raised Jesus to life again in glory. And Jesus shares his glory with his people. You know, if you like, it's the ultimate cost-benefit analysis. Like, it does cost you a lot. Control of your life now, and he's handing that over to Jesus. But it does mean you'll save your life and share in Jesus' glory. Uh, In terms of, you know, return on your investment. It's a no-brainer. You gain glory. Give up your life now. Get glory. Or as missionary Jim Elliot put it, who did actually end up giving up his life for Jesus, he wrote, He is no fool 
Who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose? She is no fool who gives what she cannot keep to gain what she cannot lose. Following Jesus, what does it look like? Following Jesus means giving up your life to be all in for Jesus now, to share in his future glory. For he gave his all for you. So what does this look like in life? Well, I've got three things to say here. First, I think it means integrating your studies or your work with your discipleship. And I take it here that university study is just uh, preparing for some fruitful work in God's world. It's it's the way... uh, we think you need to prepare for some type of work in God's world. Integrating your studies with your discipleship. So like other good things that Jesus wants you to do, like loving your family, uh, we want to be doing those things because we're following Jesus. So it means as you study hard, as you work hard, it means as you practice hard, it means doing that because you're following Jesus. Now, I think this means that you you need to have a very clear sense of what is good about the work that you're preparing to do, you're studying for. What does God value? What does Jesus value about the work you're preparing for? What does God value about music? Now, I've got a few thoughts here, but I'm I'm not the one (laughs) preparing for a, a sort of fruitful work as a musician or a music teacher or a composer or something. Uh, so I think it'd be great if you if you don't have a clear sense of that yourself, uh, for you guys as the con Christian group to to nut that out together with Bibles open. What does God value about the work that you're preparing to do, so that your study and your future work is fully integrated with your following Jesus? That as you work hard, practice hard, uh, it's because you're following Jesus and want to serve Him in some fruitful way in God's world. So that's first. It means integrating your studies with your discipleship. Uh, secondly, I think it impacts your daily decisions. So following Jesus, first being all in for Jesus, will impact your daily decisions. How you spend your time and energy, how you spend your money, what sorts of things you commit to. Uh, you'll be taking Jesus' passions and priorities into account as you follow him first as you make your daily decisions. And then third, I think it does impact bigger life decisions. Uh, Now, one of the things the the EU is trying to focus on this year is sacrificial love. And sacrificial love for uh, those in less resourced, less reached parts of God's world. Uh, And it's helping us to think about how we might be sacrificially loving as we make decisions about graduation. You know, where are we going to live and work upon graduation? Where might you go considering Jesus' passions and priorities, his plans and purposes? I think yeah, following Jesus in this way, being all in for him and sort of giving up your life to follow him will mean that you'll consider Jesus' passions and priorities, his plans and purposes first as you make those decisions. Now, I do realize that, uh, particularly for performance jobs, there are limited opportunities and you have maybe uh, 
less control about perhaps where you're going to take work and where it's available. Well, I think as, if you're following Jesus, it will mean considering that early on and as yeah, perhaps the first part of that decision-making process. So integrating your studies uh, with your discipleship, daily decisions, and bigger life decisions. Following Jesus, God's Saviour King, means giving up your life to be all in for Jesus now to share in his future glory because he gave his all for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for sending him into uh, this, your world, as your appointed Saviour King. Father, thank you so much that he set his face to Jerusalem to suffer, be rejected, to die and to rise to life on that third day to save us, your people. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us uh, the courage to let go of everything, to to give up our lives for uh, following Jesus, Uh, to put him first in our daily decisions, in our bigger life decisions, and in our studies. We pray that in all these things we might be following him, going after his passions and priorities, seeking to fulfill his plans and purposes uh, through all of our lives. And we thank you so much for the future glory that awaits us because of your grace to us in him, because he gave his all for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.